Welcome to Business Pants Free Floats daily podcast covering all things business news, all things ESG news, all things corporate woke wars. The geniuses here at Free Float, Ari, Jesse, and Matt, believe in this stuff so much that they made a product to sell directly to you. It's called Board Sabermetrics, and it puts the who back into ESG. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for our Business Pants Corporate Theater, America's longest-running corporate theater troupe dedicated to dramatizing and satirizing business news headlines two special news items this week before we get started. The Business Pants Corporate Theater welcomes seasoned comedy sketch and comedy improv veteran Molly McGill. Welcome, Molly. And second, Business Pants Corporate Theater will be performing live on stage in June in the great city of Portland, Maine. More details to come if you are looking for a weekend getaway from your corner office suite high above Madison Avenue. But come on, let's get to the good stuff. Our corporate theater players tonight are the extraordinary Courtney Cook, Phil Hawk, Ashley Kutzer, Mark McGee, and Molly McGill. This week on the show... Pepsi's new logo is a subliminal war on sugar. The United Nations food chief says billions of dollars are needed to avert unrest and starvation. And the founders of the United States of America create a loophole to avoid Ron DeSantis. Up first, the worldwide sugar lobby discusses Pepsi's new logo. Meanwhile, in the bowels of the worldwide sugar lobby lair in Gestadt, Switzerland. All right, all right! Agent Persimmons, repeat what you just said. Say that again slowly. Take a breath. Here, have some Slurpee. Thank you. Pepsi. Pepsi is changing their logo. The Pepsi wordmark has been placed back into the company's old yin-yang globe concept, except that they use the color black to border the globe. Okay, okay, I don't see. Number one, listen to me. They, they, use, they use black. The, the same color from, from the Pepsi Zero Sugar. Oh, God. Um, pass me a cupcake, Persimmons, will you? Oh, sure. You, you see, it cuts right here through the red, white, and blue palette to, to bind the brand together. The, the black starts with the word mark, and then it outlines the globe. It's built to subliminally distance Pepsi's association with sugar. Oh, God. Um, those sneaky bastards. 
Throw me one of those cupcakes, too, please. It's a cheap, low-rent mind-control tactic, but it seemed to work with Pepsi Zero Sugar. Sales were through the roof, almost beating the regular Pepsi brands. This is not good. This is definitely not good. Number two, why is PepsiCo doing this? We've had agreements with them for decades. Signed in blood agreements. Pass the milk, duds, please. It doesn't surprise me, really, number one. PepsiCo has been trying to distance themselves from sugar for some time now. They sold off their juice brands Tropicana and Naked in 2021 and diverted more resources into its concentrate-based soda stream platform. Oh, it's no doubt they've seen that disgusting statistic that 30% of Gen Z is avoiding sugar altogether. Yes, and that's a totally fake and unproving statistic, I may add. Well, of course it's true, we're Simmons, you're talking to us, for God's sake, not a congressional hearing. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, I'm so, so, so sorry. I'm so used to denying those facts. As well you should. We need you and all the other agents to get out there and deny all these types of disturbing facts more than ever. Christ, we're out of M&Ms. Bring in more M&Ms! You should be so easy when we can just pay off a few trusted researchers to spread our message. That 50000 we paid for influential research in the 1960s to downplay the link between sugar and coronary heart disease and said, point the finger at fat, was probably the best investment we ever made. Oh, and for almost 50 years it worked. The spotlight was off sugar, and we can insert ourselves into practically every food product on the market without fear. The, the average consumer had no idea how many products sugar was in back then. In their little self-absorbed suburban minds, we were only in the classic sugar items, desserts, candy, ice cream, cookies, sodas, certain cereals, not ketchup, barbecue sauce, fruit juices, spaghetti sauce. Or low fat yogurt. Pass me a, a, a few pixie sticks, will you? <laughs> oh, it, it was truly the golden years for us. That's also when our two most important alliances began. When high fructose corn syrup appeared on the market, we quickly aligned with Worldwide Corn Lobby, and they agreed to take the fall if there were ever rumblings about sugar's impact on health. Even even if they got all the bad press, it was still a win-win for both of us. They were in more food products than we were. But we both had the same goals, to get these two highly addictive sweeteners inside every living human being on Earth and make obscene amounts of money doing it. And then came our most lucrative alliance of all, our secret partnership with the American healthcare system. Yeah, ah, bravo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're here. No individual or institution has garnered them more profits than the world's sugar lobby. No one! Diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, weight gain, liver disease, cancer! We provide a constant flow of patients to this money-making behemoth, and they would be nothing without us! 
And I'm not even mentioning the American Dental Association. Good oh. God! <laughs> Actually, we are providing a valuable service. We're providing jobs for millions of healthcare professionals of every type, and not to mention all the millions of clerks, financial experts, insurance providers, and weight loss industry. All of these people would be out on the street if the nation was healthy and sugar-free. <laughs> Think about that. Are those Belgian waffles done yet? They look oh, give me one of those, too. Oh, indeed, oh, yes, it's been a wonderful quid pro quo partnership for many years, and we are not ending that now. They've helped downplay the risks of sugar in the past, and, and we will have them start doing that more diligently now. You know, when the sugar-free phase began... We were able to rely on artificial sweeteners. Most people had no idea they were even in their food or drinks. Yes, 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 yes. But this is different now. There are more movements out there that are demanding that products be free of sweeteners altogether, natural or otherwise. No, no. This is much more diabolical than past so-called health movements. I have a feeling this will be our biggest fight oh, yet. Well, then whatever shall we do? Oh, can you pass me the boysenberry syrup, please? Thank you. Oh, uh, call in all agents immediately. Okay. We need a massive disinformation sweep. Buy off anyone we can. Lobbyists, researchers, corporate executives, yes. advertisers. Yes. Money is no object. And if there is any pushback from any of them or the anti-sugar movement, kill them. Kill them yes. all. Ah, finally. <laughs> I've been waiting for that order for years. Well, I've put it off because we've been able to control things so well up to now. <laughs> oh, sir. You, you've always, you always were an old softy at heart. Yeah, I'm not putting up with that. I've been waiting for that to happen for years, too. Always hated persimmons. But you got blood all over the glazed eclairs. Oh, just lick it off. Listen, this is no time to be soft, number two. This is this is a war, and we are not going to lose. Oh, damn it, it's time for my insulin. It's so much easier to take it this way with a straw. Oh, that hits the spot. Now pass me some. I'm sure I'm due for a dose. Oops, I feel my blood pressure going up. Murder always does that to me. Mm, here, have some of my beta blockers. I have them covered in white chocolate. They go down a lot easier. Oh, mm, yummy. Oh, oh God damn it! My left side went numb again. I do not need another stroke this week, thank you very much. I wish I could help you, but I just went blind. That glaucoma is kinking my ass today. Well, don't trip over my prosthetic leg. It just popped out again. I guess I need a bigger size. What do you think of these new electric wheelchairs? I don't think the cup holders are big enough. Oh, I agree, and not enough storage for IVs. Oh, look, it's lunchtime. Uh, let's head to the cafeteria. It's orange glazed chicken with sugar peas today. Mm, you'll have to pull me with you. I can't see shit right now. Okay, hold on. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Up next, two friends discuss what it means to be 
a billionaire, what it means to feed millions of hungry people, and what it means to look like Michael Sarah. So, without billions of dollars used to feed millions of hungry people, the world will see mass migration, destabilized countries, and starving children and adults in the next 12 to 18 months. That's what the head of the United Nations World Food Program just said last week. Huh? Huh? That's a pretty big deal, don't you think? I'm sorry, sorry. Say that again? I wasn't listening. (sighs) The head of the United Nations World Food Program said last week that without billions of dollars used to feed millions of hungry people, the world will see mass migration, destabilized countries, and starving children and adults in the next 12 to 18 months. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. In the long term, he said what he'd really like to see is billionaires using their experience and success to engage in the world's greatest need, and that is food on the planet to feed 8 billion people. With $400 trillion worth of wealth on the planet, he said, there's no reason for any child to die of starvation. Have you seen the new Barbie trailer? Uh, It's pretty funny. Have I seen the new Barbie trailer? Yeah, yeah. They made a movie about the Barbie doll with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. It looks cheesy as hell. You're not listening to me at all. Don't look up from your phone. What am I wearing? Uh, uh, what what are you wearing? Don't look up. What am I fucking wearing? I don't know. Uh, 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 A beige shirt. Uh, 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 Jeans. A beige shirt. What the hell is a beige shirt? Tan. Uh, khaki. You're wearing a, a khaki shirt. I'm wearing a black hoodie, a green shirt, and khaki pants. All right, see? I was close. The world's greatest need is to feed 8 billion people. With $400 trillion worth of wealth on the planet, there's no reason for any child to die of starvation. I heard you. That's terrible. I'm not a billionaire, though. You can still do something about it. I can still do something about it. We we can pressure these billionaires into helping with this problem. How do people like us pressure billionaires? I guess it depends on the billionaire. Like, like the ones that own social media. We could definitely pressure them. Oh, by not using social media? Exactly. Why would a billionaire want to focus on that hollow, shallow world of social media anyway? There's so many things you could change if you're a billionaire that would positively affect the lives of others. Musk wants to go to Mars. Well, I think Bezos does too. How will that help anyone in this world right now? Well, well, in case this world blows up or or, or dries up or, or, I don't know, burns down, you know, we'll have another place to go. Humans can't live on Mars, not not without heavily protective suits. We definitely can't breathe on Mars, and the climate is not ideal either. Well, the pictures look like Arizona. Oh, Jesus. Planning a Mars mission ten years down the line does nothing but boost a billionaire's ego. Makes them think that they're creating a legacy that people will admire in future generations. What about people hurting now? What, What about these people that need our help in the next 12 to 18 months? It it doesn't help them. I I get it. Do you know who Norman Borlaug was? Uh, The artist who painted those pictures of people in the 30s? 
God, no, I, I think you mean Norman Rockwell, although that was a horrible description. Oh, screw you. Norman Borlaug was a biologist that developed high-yield, disease-resistant wheat varieties during the mid-20th century. He introduced these wheat varieties to countries that greatly needed food. As a result, Mexico became a net exporter of wheat by 1963, and by 1970, wheat yields nearly doubled in Pakistan and India, greatly improving the food security in both those nations. Borlaug was credited with saving over a billion people worldwide from starvation. A billion people. And he was a billionaire. No, that's the thing. He wasn't. But he made such a difference nonetheless. He saved so many lives. And he lived to the age of 95, too. I mean, what a life and what a legacy. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, to know that you helped so many in your own lifetime, that, I mean, that must have been pretty cool. Just think if he was a billionaire. This world would probably be a very different place now, and we wouldn't have millions of hungry people. Yeah, you don't know that. I mean, maybe if he had a billion dollars, we'd want to grow crops on Mars. Maybe having all that money gives you loftier goals. You know, more long-term goals. What's more long-term than saving millions of people's lives? Yeah, but this Borat guy... Borlog! Yeah, yeah, Borlog. Yeah, he did all that stuff without having billions of dollars. I mean, maybe billionaires focus on doing stuff that requires billions of dollars. You know, like space stuff. And creating fake realities in their social media platforms that have absolutely no helpful impact on society. Sorry, I don't buy your theory. The overwhelming majority of billionaires use their money for ego-building projects. Most that focus on the faraway future and not helping the common man right now. Oh my god. Michael Sarah is in the new Barbie movie. Fuck the Barbie movie. We should, we should have a Borlog movie. Why has there never been a movie about Norman Borlog? Does Michael Sarah look like Borlaug? That sentence is you in a nutshell. Well, I, I don't know what that means, but, but I'm hungry. Let's go eat. What a perfect way to end this conversation. Thank you. You should be in the Barbie movie. Thank you, again, I, uh, I think. You don't think. That's the point. Yeah, well, uh, so are you. Brilliant. You could be a billionaire. You could be Borat. Borog. I know what I said. Before I get to our last sketch, let me once again thank our Business Pants Corporate Theater. In alphabetical order, they are Courtney Cook, Philip Hawk, Ashley Kutzer, Mark McGee, and Molly McGill. Let's end today's show with a history lesson, shall we? We are sick and tired of schools accusing us of leaning more on burp jokes than on drafting the Declaration of Independence jokes. So here you go, schools. Meanwhile, in 1776, at a gathering that never actually happened, but we'll hear for the purposes of satire. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. 
And that concludes the reading of the Declaration of Independence. Thank you, all 56 of you here in this room, not only for signing this, but for coming up to my house, Monticello, here in Virginia, to have a party to toast the most important of documents. (laughs) I must say, I think I speak for everyone here when I say that you've done a very lovely job with this, Jefferson. It is my distinct pleasure to be amongst the 56 gentlemen to have signed such a document. (laughs) Well, thank you, John Adams. That that really means a lot. You you really ought to be president one day. (laughs) You should, too. Although, not before I do, huh? (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, Tom, my boy, I love the language you employ. Oh, indeed! I love that bit that you wrote. Which bit is that, Benjamin Franklin? You know, the we hold these truths to be self-evident. I love that it implies that those British dogs are foolish enough to miss things that are self-evident. Really sticks it to them, you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, I was not intending to be insulting to the British. Uh, That's more your style, Ben Franklin. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, hey, if it tweaks the British noses a bit, well, let's let it happen, right? (laughs) Indeed. But more than that, I really love how stirring the whole thing is, how evocative the language, and most importantly, just how incredibly final it all is. Final? (laughs) Why, absolutely. It's an unequivocal break from England, the king, and the crown. Oh, I agree. You do, Ben? Certainly. It's phrases like, it is our right, it is our duty to throw off such government. That makes it so clear to the entire world that we are breaking our ties with the English monarchy and we will never have anything whatsoever to do with them ever again. (laughs) You think so, huh? Oh, absolutely, Thomas, my good man. How's that, Josiah Bartlett? I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than this bit here, where you say, We therefore solemnly declare that these united colonies are free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown. I mean, how much clearer can a guy get telling the whole world Mm. that we will never have any need to have anything to do with the crown again. Am I right? (laughs) You are right, Josiah, my man. And can I add something, Tommy, my dude? Why, of course, Samuel Adams. The bit right (laughs) after where you say, oh, oh, here, hold my bear. Sure. Uh, Oh, yeah, here. And that all political connection between us and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that, that we are severing all ties and that we don't even need to do so much as mention the English or the English monarchs ever again. (laughs) Never Never again! Never! Never. (laughs) Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you all. I'm glad you like my writing and, uh, well, I'm I'm hoping this has the desired effect on our British overlords. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Ex-overlords. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yes, you're right. Ex-overlords, indeed. Uh, but uh, I must say, you've, you've been awfully quiet there, Button Gwinnett. What? What's that? Always pensive, this one. What's on your mind, Button? <clears throat> well, okay. Can I just say, uh, hear me out. Oh, here it comes. Uh, What's wrong with the Declaration of Independence, Button Gwinnett? Uh, nothing, nothing. Nothing's wrong with it. I, I'm just wondering whether we ought to sever ties with Great Britain. So, finally and absolutely. Button, maybe this has escaped you, but that's literally the point of this document. 
early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. L looks like you've been hitting the hay pretty late there, Button. Late to rise and late to bed makes a man as lacking in wisdom as Button Gwinnett. Makes a man as lacking. Would you guys just listen to me for like five seconds? Well, we're, we're sorry, Button. Continue. L listen, I'm, I'm just wondering, and, I, and I'm thinking out loud here, but... But I I'm just wondering if we may ever need a connection to the crown again. In what absurd world would we ever need to be connected to the crown button? Okay, well, suppose, just suppose for a minute that, uh, I, I don't know, let's just say another breach of power occurs. Like a big breach of power. N not from a king, but like, let's say, um, a governor of one of our states. Huh. Which state exactly? It doesn't matter which state, any state, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, my very own Georgia, or a future state, uh, south of Georgia. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> Will you give up on trying to make Florida State button, Gwinnett? <laughs> Making Florida State's never gonna happen. Who let you in here, Lachlan McIntosh? Who let him in here? He's always gone on about invading British Florida and making it a state and whatnot. Gentlemen. He's going to try to make me invade it. I just know it. Oh, would you shut the hell up, Lachlan? God, you're, you're so annoying sometimes. Gosh. Invading Florida is going to be a disaster, Button Gwinnett. Mark my fucking words. You mean British Florida? It'll be a state, I promise you. Whatever. Continue, Button Gwinnett. Uh, thank you. A anyway... Just suppose that the governor of this state really oversteps his bounds, you, you know, like because of a, a feud or something with a, a really successful company. What are you talking about? A, a company so successful, it, it is its own town. Uh, this is absurd. Fanciful. This is absurd and fanciful, even for me. Come on, fellas, let, let, let's hear him out. Continue, Button. What, what is this feud about, may I ask? I don't know, like for some reason the governor is against gay people or people standing up for those who have been marginalized and this company won't stand for it. And they do say gay and they are woke. Waking up early makes a man healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we get it, Ben. Thank you very much. Um, can continue, Button Gwinnett. So this governor uh, over, uh, oversteps his bounds by, uh, well, let's say putting his own board of directors in charge of this company's self-governed tax zone. Okay, I'm with you. That wouldn't be okay. Well, certainly not, especially in light of this document here, which champions liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, agreed. In this hypothetical and completely unbelievable scenario, this governor is completely overstepping his bounds and should be stopped. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So we're on the same page. What, what is this company supposed to do to quote you, Tom, when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism? It is their right. It is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Uh, okay, yes, we're, we're with you, Button Gwinnett, but, but what does this have to do with the crown and the king of, and, and Great Britain? 
well, all I'm saying is, look, I know we want to sever ties completely with Great Britain and the Crown. Completely. Completely. But, 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 completely. but, but maybe we should leave in a, I don't know, like a little loophole of some kind. A loophole? Oh, I like loopholes. I'm listening. Just so that when this hypothetical governor in this hypothetical state tries to put his own hypothetical board in charge of this hypothetical company's self-governed tax zone, I'm just wondering whether it might not be prudent to allow the, the hypothetical company to, uh, well, invoke the Royal Lives Clause, as there is in Britain. Whoa, whoa. Hmm? Royal Lives Clause? Yeah, the company... Before this despotic governor overlord can put his own board in, the, the company and its former board can sign an agreement that gives this company the ability to build, say, a high-density projects and buildings of any height and to sell or assign development rights without board approval, and that this company's control may only be terminated two decades after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of whoever is king as of the date of the declaration. I mean, it wouldn't be prudent to, I mean, yes, let's sever ties. Let's sever ties all day long. Let's sever them with all with Britain and never have anything to do with them again, except, well, can we at least just have this stick around? Just in case this sort of thing ever happens? I get it. So that the people in charge of this company continue to have control over their company basically forever, but without using those terms. By linking themselves to the longevity of the royal bloodline of Great Britain. Oh, it's a pretty good loophole, I'll admit. Uh, I don't know, guys. Uh, you think we should... Put this in the Declaration of Independence? And gum the whole thing up? Where would it go? What, like, uh, we therefore solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. Except when a state's governor is overstepping his bounds and trying to shove his political agendas down the throats of a successful company. And then we want to keep a link to the crown so that they can control their company for a long time and use the crown's probably continued existence as the timeline for which they can control it. It doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, does it? Oh, maybe Franklin can punch it up, you oh. know, <laughs> like one of his concise witticisms in his Poor Richard's Almanac. <laughs> yeah. What do you say, Ben? Oh, 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 thank you for your faith in me, gentlemen. No, 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 I, but I think not. I, I mean, I'm good, but, but I can't package up an elephant into a bread box. <laughs> Listen, Button, we, we, we appreciate your concerns. We, we really do. But, but honestly, uh, not only is such an event, uh, really a small portion of our absolution with Britain, but it's also very unlikely that it will ever be necessary. Oh, gee. And we really want this severing of ties with Great Britain and the Crown to be absolute, final, and unequivocal. Yes, no loose ends. Oh, shucks. Like, no ties with them, and no need to ever mention them again, ever, mm. ever at all, in our future. Oh, no, no, I, I get that. No, I, I really do. It's, it's, it's fine. And, and honestly, I am sure that in the future, 
Should this need ever occur, this hypothetical company will be savvy enough to invoke this royal lives clause on their own. Oh, I, I suppose. And in their case, when you want something super badly, no matter who you may be, it'll come true. Not your best adage. I'll be honest, Benji. Nah, you're right. I can maybe rethink the wording of that one. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. We are bored Sabermetrics, and we will be back tomorrow without this silly voice, I promise. And please, go ahead, share this podcast with your pals.